Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. So I was thinking about this week, and um, we're in our summer playlist uh, series, and this morning we're going to talk about joy, and we've talked about gratitude, and we've talked about several things in the last few weeks, and, and you know, and one of the things about this is, am I making it a little uncomfortable? Um, here's the deal, because we like our pastors to be apart from us, right? Get up on the stage, a safe distance, I don't have to worry, you don't make eye contact. Like, I can see you guys really well right now. It's so awesome. And so thank you very much. And those of you who are not trying not to make eye contact with me, I might come sit by you. So thank you, (laughs) thank you. Um, But 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 we... we try, to, we try to keep a little bit, of, we like a little bit of space from our pastors because we don't want this to get too personal. It's, you know, I love the word of God and I love to, you know, hear about those things and then I like to go home and watch television or something, you know, and, and, and so when I get too close, it feels weird. But here's the thing about what we're talking about is that joy is a really personal thing. And the things that we're talking about this, this summer, gratitude is a really personal thing. What Wes talked about last week and, and loving uh, people who, who don't know Christ and loving people who are hard to love is really a personal thing. And sometimes you have to get up close to get personal. Uh, you have to get up close to, to, you know, to really understand. Here's one of the cool things. Here's one of the definitions of worship. If you take the Greek and you you know, you sort of exegete it out. Uh, one of the things in the Greek that worship means it, is it means to get close. It means to kiss. And what, one thing I know about kissing, because I've been at it for a long time, is that to kiss, you have to get close and you have to make contact. And so when, when, uh, when I talk about things like gratitude, when I talk about things like joy, these are really personal things to me because I'm working them out every day in my own life. That this isn't just some platitude that we talk about because it makes a good sermon or you know, because you read it someplace, but this is part of what God speaks to me and, and how he challenges me that this isn't just about reading something or trying to present a sermon, but this is really about what God is saying in my own personal life and how he calls me to live a life of joy, so I really apologize to you guys that are really trying not to make eye contact with me, because it's hard not to, isn't it, Greg? I mean, it's, just, it's just tough. <laughs> okay, so if I, I, there was a day when I would just jump up on the stage, but I'm not gonna do that. You might experience joy if I tried, but I probably wouldn't, so I'm gonna walk back up here. Um, but we're gonna look at this idea of joy this morning, and we're gonna do it from the Gospel of John. and. Uh, so if you have a Bible, you want to turn with me, we're going to go to the John, the 16th chapter. And, uh, you know, I would say this, Sherry, I was thinking about you, Sherry Campbell. All of you know Mrs. C. She's in the lobby. She's the one that's bouncing up and down. And sometimes Sherry tries to get me to show more emotion. And I tell her that I am so excited. It's just really deep down here. And it's just, I'm inside. I'm going crazy right now, Sherry. I just want you to know that. But it's not, doesn't seem to surface quite as well as it as does with her. And so it's kind of weird to be talking about joy. And, and so you sort of feel like you should be bouncing or something, right? And, and uh, I'm not a great bouncer. That's just not what I do. But I can experience joy. Uh, and, and I can experience the joy that Christ brings uh, in my own way and in, in how the Lord's built me. And that's good, right? Right, Sherry? Okay, thank you. All right, John, the 16th chapter. We're gonna, we're gonna look at joy from these verses. Uh, beginning in verse 16 of John 16, 
Here's Jesus. A little, a little while, you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is it? Uh, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while you will see me and be- because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. So Jesus is in the upper room. It's the night that he's going to be betrayed. He's giving his last instructions to his disciples, to his closest followers. They've, they've had the Lord's Supper. Uh, he's going through all of these things. And, and in a little sidebar conversation, Jesus, uh, the disciples are saying, what is he talking about? He's telling us that, that he's going to go away and that, and that there's going to be sorrow, but then he's telling us a little while, you'll see me again, and, and you, you won't have sorrow, and we have no idea because there was nothing in their lives, there was nothing in their background, nothing in their culture, nothing in their history that was prepared, that had prepared them for what was going to happen that night what Jesus was going to go through over the next three days, what they were going to see in in their lives. And so Jesus is trying to prepare them. He's trying to set them up for what's happening, and they're still confused. But I love this, that Jesus isn't confused. And verse 19 says that Jesus knew what they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves, what I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, this is like we would say, come on, seriously, guys, being honest with you guys, now pay attention to this. Truly, truly is a point of emphasis. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come, but when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you will have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. So the disciples are trying to comprehend what it is that Jesus is talking about, but he's giving them this message. That, that in a little while you'll not see me and you're going to experience deep sorrow. Everything that you thought for a, a moment there that was going to happen is going to feel like it's crumbled and it's gone away and that the, the world's been turned upside down and it's a disaster. But then you're going to see me again and when you see me again, you're going to experience a joy that is so profound. It's a joy that the world can't give you and the world can't take away. It's a joy that no one, Jesus says, will be able to take away from you. It's so deep. It's so intimate, it's so profound that nobody can take it from you. And so that's what we're gonna talk about this morning and we're gonna, we're gonna look at joy from four perspectives. We're gonna consider four things about joy this morning uh, and, and, and try to learn a little bit of what it means to live a life of joy. And the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna define joy. And the second thing we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about the opposite of joy. And three, we're gonna talk about counterfeit joy And then the last thing is how to cultivate joy, how to cultivate joy in our lives. So here's the first thing that I want you to understand is that joy is an attribute of God the Father. God is a God of joy. You know, some of you might have grown up in a in a culture or in a church where, where, where your perspective on God was that he was the one up there with a hammer. He was waiting for you to get out of line, waiting for you to do something wrong, and he was gonna hammer you with it. And, and you never understood that, that, and, and, that God is a just God. But there's also a quality of God, a characteristic of God, that he is a God of joy. 
He is a God who loves us, who takes joy in us, that that's one of the characteristics of God. And here's what the scripture teaches us, that if you, if you want to, you know, God is a God of joy, and if you want to know what God looks like, you look at the person of Jesus. Jesus refers to himself, uh, tells us that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Uh, the, the Gospel of John says, in the beginning, uh, there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, referring to Jesus as the ultimate expression of God. So if you want to see that characteristic of of joy. If you want to see who God is, you look at Jesus, and there's a great place in the eighth chapter of Proverbs where Jesus, that it's, it's the, the proverb, the writer of Proverbs wants us to listen as though Jesus is speaking to us, uh, that the wisdom, that calling himself wisdom is speaking to us, and here's, and, and here's what the writer says about wisdom, about Jesus. I was his daily delight. I was his daily delight. Now, delight is another great word. It's used a lot, interchanged a lot with, with joy in the Old Testament. It's the Hebrew word shashuim. And shashuim is a great Hebrew word that, that we get the idea of delight. Think about delight for a second. What's that mean to you? Here's what, if you were a Hebrew, here's what shashuim would mean to you. It would mean not just delight, but to frolic. I love that idea, frolicking. I don't know who does that, but frolicking is a kind of a great word, isn't it? It's a fun word. Just sort of say it three times and you smile. You can't help yourself. You frolic. It's just one of those words that we have, and, and, and here's what it means. The other picture that we have in the Hebrew is a someone jumping up and down clapping, that they're so filled with delight, they're so excited that they're jumping up and down, clapping, and Jesus wants us to see, he wants to have this picture of the God of the universe loves us so much that sometimes he's jumping up and down, clapping in delight for us. Zephaniah 3.17 puts it a different way, right? Zephaniah 3.17 says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one uh, who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love, he will exult over you with loud singing. Think about this. He rejoices over you in gladness. That the God who created you, he loves you so much, he finds such joy in you that he rejoices over you with gladness. And sometimes when he thinks about you, he is so filled with joy that he bursts out in song. He exults over you with singing. The God of the universe is a God of joy. And he wants us to experience his joy. That, that part of knowing Christ is experiencing his joy. Because God is a God of joy. Uh, here, here's a great thing. J.R.R. Tolkien, who you know, wrote the classic works on The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. And, and, I, and I love these books and I, I read them, I, I've read them often, many times. Periodically, I just need to read them again. Uh, but there's a great quote uh, in, uh, in an article that J.R.R. Tolkien wrote that talks about this. The birth of Christ is the happy ending of man's history. The birth of Christ is the happy ending of man's uh, history. The resurrection is the happy ending of the story of the incarnation. Now, the incarnation is just simply this word of God becoming flesh, God coming in the person of Jesus Christ, that when God came and took a human body, we call that the incarnation, and he says it's the happy ending uh, it's the gift that, um, the happy ending of the world, of history. 
It is preeminently the inner consistency of reality. There is no tale ever told that men would rather find was true and none which so many skeptical men have accepted as true on its own merits. That, that the birth of Christ is the good news. The birth of Christ is the great news of history. It's the happy ending of history. So we define joy as part of the character of God and it's a gift that the world can't give you and the world can't take away. And finally, it's produced in us by Jesus. More specifically, when we know Christ, when we've invited Christ into our lives, he says that his spirit, the spirit of Christ, comes and takes residence in our lives and he begins a process of transforming us. The Apostle Paul talks about it in Galatians 5. He says that when Christ is in you, he will develop the fruit of the spirit in you. You'll experience the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the self-control, all of these things will start to grow in you. And so one of the questions that we have to ask is, how do I participate? How do I cooperate with God who loves me when Christ is in me? The resurrection spirit of Jesus Christ lives in you if you've given your life to him, and now we cultivate that joy. We cultivate that fruit in our lives, and we talk about the good news. Now, I have another picture since I was on this Tolkien thing this week. I have a, there's a picture of Gandalf up there, and, and Gandalf, the, you know, the great wizard and the, the, the Lord of the Rings and all of that, listen to this quote from Pippin, one of the hobbits, talking about Gandalf, and J.R. Tolkien did an amazing job as he wrote these stories to weave in to help us to understand who God is and what God looks like, and listen to this description, uh, really of God from J.R. Tolkien. Pippin glanced in some wonder at the face now close beside his own, uh, referring to Gandalf, for the sound of that laugh had been gay and merry. Yet in the wizard's face, he saw first only lines of care and sorrow, though uh, as he looked more intently, he perceived that under all, there was a great joy, a fountain of mirth enough to set a kingdom laughing were it to gush forth. The picture he has of God is that God doesn't deny that we live in a broken world. God doesn't deny pain and sorrow, but there is a joy in God because he knows how the story ends. There's a joy in God because of who he is, because of his character, uh, because of his, who he is in himself, who he is in himself, that brings joy that God provides. And God wants us to experience that. And we get then to talk about the good news. Uh, if, if you read Luke, the second chapter, and the birth of Christ, the angels came and they said, we come with good news. I love the King James translation of that. If some of you grew up reading the King James, uh, it's the oldest English translation that we have. And in, in the King James, they call it glad tidings or glad news. And that's a great word for us because the coming of Jesus is glad news. It's joy news for us that God loved us so much that he came, he put on a body, he put all of himself into a human form and he came in the person of Jesus so that we might have the opportunity to know God. And he said, this is joy news. This is glad tidings, glad news. That's why 1 Peter 1, 6 says this, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you will be grieved by various trials. That yes, there's hardship in life. Yes, there's struggles in life. Yes, we live in a, a broken, confused world, but joy, the joy of Christ 
can override that pain. So he's not saying that joy is the elimination of all sorrow and pain. He's saying that joy can override anything that we're experiencing in our lives. It can overcome anything we're experiencing. So here's the the second thing, the opposite of joy. What is the opposite of joy? The opposite of joy is not sadness. Let's just get that real straight. Let's get it clear. The opposite of joy is not sadness. The opposite of joy is hopelessness. There are things in life that make me sad. When I've lost a family member, that has made me sad. But Jesus says there is a joy. And you know why? When, when I've lost family members uh, that I've experienced that's so powerful and so unique that in my sadness, there's a joy that says I know where they are. I know what they're experiencing. I know that they're with the Savior. I know that someday I'll be united with them and there's a joy that overcomes my sadness, that takes over my sadness in my own life. And that's the kind of joy that he's talking about. So the, the, the opposite of joy isn't sadness. The opposite of joy is, is hopelessness. It's when we have no hope and if we live without Christ, or if we just simply forget who Christ is in our lives, then, then, then we can easily become hopeless. Look at John again, John 16, verses 22 to, 20 to 22 says, Truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come, but when she's delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy of a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. Okay, admittedly, I only know this second hand, but I've watched childbirth three times. And, and I've been in the delivery room when Jenna gave birth to our three sons. And it is true, like J- Jenna was like this, you know, superhero who just naturally gave birth to these three boys. And, and I was there, so I know that there was some pain involved. I know there's some pain involved in childbirth and the pain doesn't just, you know, miraculously go away after the baby's born, but something happened when each time that, little boy was laid on Jenna's chest. All of a sudden, that pain wasn't the same kind of pain anymore. Something happened that there was a joy that overwhelmed the pain. Three times I, I, I watched that. And you know, John 16 is being writ- is written in uh, you know, pre-epidural history, right? You get that. And, and so Jesus is using this example of what it means to have that pain and yet a joy because of what you've been given. And that's the joy that he's trying to help us to understand uh, this morning. (laughs) You know, we live in Phoenix, Scottsdale, and it's gonna be about 10,000 degrees today, probably something like, I don't know, take or, you know, uh, or minus a few degrees, but it's hot. Right, and it's going to be really hot, and and uh, so you go home and you forget to set your AC, and you come in, and it's you know 99 degrees in your house, and it's really hot in there, and you're frustrated, and and but there's something about houses that have thermostats that at a certain temperature, your air conditioning kicks in, right? 
and it's really hot, it's 110 degrees outside, but your AC kicks in in your house and pretty soon the AC, the cool air is gonna overtake, it's gonna overwhelm the heat in your house. And when we have the joy of Christ, when we experience Christ in our lives, no matter how hot it gets in our lives, no matter how sorrowful it gets in our lives, that the joy that Christ wants to bring us, the joy that Christ wants to give us, get, will sooner or later overwhelm the pain, will overwhelm the heat in our lives. So the third thing is counterfeit joy. And, and, and this is simply this, that sometimes we focus on the blessings and we forget about the blesser. And joy is about understanding who the blesser is. That it's not about the blessings, it's not about the things that we, because here's what happens, when we just focus on the blessings, then it really becomes about us. It becomes about what I get, what I've received. And then, you know, if I start focusing on what I get and what I receive, the, the next thing that happens to me in this progression is that somehow I've earned those things, that they belong to me, that they're mine, and when something tough happens, when something really bad happens, then I'm so frustrated and angry because I, I don't deserve this. I'm one of the really good guys. I, I've done everything right, and why does this have to happen to me? But here's what Jesus says, that if you really want to understand joy, you focus on the blesser and not the blessings. That counterfeit joy is getting focused on the blessings and making those your goals and making those what you focus on and forgetting about who the blesser is. And that's when we get into trouble. Now, the fourth thing is cultivate joy, and there's three things that I want you to consider when it comes to cultivating joy, and joy comes from knowing Christ, but how do we cultivate that joy in our lives? What's our part? And we do this in three ways. The first is by obeying, obedience. And the second is knowing to know, and the third is prayer. So let me just start with obey, because it feels like an oxymoron to some of you, I'm sure, but what does is, what is obedience have to do with joy? And here's, here's what I want you to help you understand is that, that one, of the, one of the byproducts of obedience is joy. That, that joy comes from having a clear conscience. And when we don't have a clear conscience, when there's stuff in our life and in our heart uh, that's not honoring to Christ, that, that is disobedient, that blocks our ability, it blocks uh, the, our opportunity to experience the joy of Christ. It comes in between us and our relationship with Christ. And so one of the ways that we cultivate joy in our lives is by being obedient to Jesus, by obedient to who he is, by being faithful to Christ, and not letting anything get between us and our relationship with Christ. So obedience matters for us. Uh, the, the second thing is to know him um, and to know who Christ is in our lives. And this is part of uh, the process that we're in. So I have a grandson, Jack, who's five years old, and he's learning to read. Have you ever helped a little one learn to read? Okay, so the first thing that you do, I'm somewhat of an expert now, the first thing that you do is you learn your alphabet. So we're with Jack and he sings the alphabet to us, right? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, he goes through the whole alphabet and then we, you know, we experience delight. We jump up and down, clap for him and cheer for him. Way to go, Jack, you got your alphabet down and, and now he's gotta learn how to pronounce these letters. He's gotta learn how to sound out all of these letters. And so now you get, you know, and like learning the ABCs and singing the song, that's cute, right? Starting to sound out the letters, then it's starting to get a little bit 
Whew, okay, okay, I get it. Okay, we got to do this. I know, but it's a little, you know, uh, tiring, laborious. He's sounding out these letters, and, and then he starts to learn the difference between his consonants and his vowels, and he's starting to slowly sound out words. It takes forever. And you're sitting there listening, and you're trying to cheer on everything, and you're trying to be, but it's this long, drawn-out process because once he learns to sound out the words, now he's starting to read a few words, and he's really proudly reading words to you, and you're going, yep. 12 times, I get it, thank you, and he's reading words to you, and then slowly he starts to read words in a sentence, and the next thing you know, he's reading the book to you, and he's experiencing the joy of reading, and you kind of forget what it was like when we were singing the ABCs and, and learning the letters and learning to sound them out, because now we're in this process where he is delighting in being able to read a story to his grandpa and I am having so much fun listening to him. And that's a little bit how we cultivate joy in our lives, that, that it might feel laborious at times, it might feel like, Why, when am I ever gonna get it? But, but we hang in, learning to, growing in our knowledge of Jesus, studying his word, uh, getting to know him, learning from each other, growing together, practicing those things that are really of value. When we hear a verse, when we hear a passage, when we hear a story about Jesus, how can I apply this into my life? I know I'm still in kindergarten when it comes to these things, but I am gonna keep going until I can read fluently, till I can live in that joy that Christ offers me and we go through that process because it is so, so worth it in our lives that we cultivate that joy, getting to know Christ, getting to know the Father. So we obey, we live with a clear conscience as best we can and when we can't, we confess that, we repent that, we give that to the Lord, whatever it is that's blocking our relationship, we bring it to him, we know him, we grow in our knowledge, and then we pray. First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, rejoice always, start there, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. People talk to me all the time about what's God's will in my life, and they think that this is about what they're supposed to do next. But what I always tell them is that the will of God is first who you're supposed to be. And, and here's what you do, you rejoice in the Lord. You, you, you learn to pray without ceasing, you learn to give your day to the Lord, you learn to commit yourself to Him. And you rejoice in that and you pray because that, in all circumstances, because that's the will of God in your life. That's what He's called you to do. So the first way that we cultivate joy is by knowing the source of our joy. And the second way we cultivate joy is by obeying. And it's simply this, joy is one of the byproducts of a clear conscience. It's a, it grows as we grow in our knowledge of God. And then we pray. We ask forgiveness, we gain perspective. Prayer is the first step in putting our joy to practice. I wanna close this morning with seven principles for joy. Now years ago, I learned about Ben Franklin's 13 you know, virtues, uh, 13. I always thought about Ben Franklin's 13 rules for life, right? And so I was gonna talk about the rules for joy, and then last week Chris Pratt came out, you know, the actor Chris Pratt came out with his nine rules for life. I don't know if you saw those. It was pretty amazing, actually. And I thought, okay, I can't use rules because everybody's gonna be thinking about Chris Pratt. So uh, these, are my, these are my seven principles for joy. I wanna share them with you. 
First, joy comes from knowing the blesser, not resting in the blessings. Joy comes from knowing the blesser and not resting in the blessings. When you do count your blessings, you should pause and thank the blesser. The second one is live the adventure. Uh, Joy springs from the resurrection of Christ, and he invites us on the greatest adventure in in our lives. He he calls us to abandon everything that we used to think was important, that we used to think was of value, and to follow him, to give our lives to him. And we talk about this occasionally. I love to think about it this way, that I don't always know where I'm going, but I'm always sure about who I'm following. And so I'm on an adventure, and I don't always have an idea of where that's going to take me, but I know who's taking me and we're on an adventure. So the second thing is live the adventure. And the third thing is obedience leads to joy. Live with a clear conscience. Live in obedience to Christ. The fourth is know who you are. When you know who you are, nobody can take away your joy. You know that you're, at that girl, what she said was so sweet, I'm a daughter of the king. That we know we belong to Christ. We know that we belong to the resurrected Jesus and that he brings a joy in our lives that the world can't give us and the world can't take away. So know who you are. And then number five, this might be my favorite, don't forget to frolic. Don't forget to frolic. Think about it this way, all right? The the joy of the Lord is my strength. That that he's offered us joy. Uh, think, Think about the fact that we know how the story ends. We know that Christ wins. The resurrection tells us that he wins, that, that at the end of the day, we will spend eternity with him. We have that assurance. We have that knowledge. How bad can my life be when I already know the ending? I already know how it's gonna finish, that I'm gonna spend eternity with him. There's a joy that comes from that. There's a joy that overwhelms all the sorrow and the pain in my life because I know that this doesn't define me and this isn't the end, that there is more that Christ has promised and that he'll give and I trust him with that and so you don't forget to enjoy the ride don't forget to frolic and then just if you have a hard time with it just say that several times a day just say frolic to yourself and it'll it'll, it'll be awesome all right number six is choose joy choose joy here's what we tell kids sometimes that that the Christian life is Fact, faith, and feelings. And when we get those mixed up, when we put feelings out in the front, it's gonna mess us up every time. That, that we live our lives based on how I feel at the moment or how something makes me feel. But we live our lives by the first, the facts. And we, the facts are that we have a God who loves us, who didn't spare his own son, but sent him to give his life for us. That, that God loves us so much that, he, that Christ rose again from the tomb. He came out of the tomb. We have life in him. Those are the facts. Start there and then say by faith now, Lord, I'm gonna follow you, I'm gonna trust you, and the feelings will always follow. And I can choose joy not because I'm so joyful, as many will attest. I tell people if it wasn't for guilt, I'd have no feelings at all. But, but we choose joy because of who Christ is, who he is in our lives. And then the last one is preach the gospel to yourself every day. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. Every day, remind yourself that you're a sinner saved by grace, that Christ didn't come just 
for all those people out in the world, but he came to rescue you. He came to bring salvation to you. He died on the cross for you to, so that you could be forgiven of your sins, so that you could have life in him. And it's important for us because sometimes we think of the gospel for out there, but the gospel starts in here. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. Remind yourself every day who Christ is in your life, what he's done for you, and he will give you his joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thanks for your joy. Thanks for how you give this so freely to us. Thank you, Lord, that you are cultivating this already in our hearts and our lives, that, that, Lord, that we need to simply respond and work with you. Lord, help us to live lives of clear conscience, uh, to be quick repenters, quick to ask, forget, to ask forgiveness. Uh, Lord, help us to strive to know you. Uh, Lord, to be obedient to your word, and Lord, then to pray to rejoice always and pray without ceasing, no matter what the circumstances are. Lord, we thank you for your joy. We thank you for the gifts that you give us. We thank you for the blessings in our lives, but Lord, help us to never forget to first thank the blesser from whom all gifts come, all blessings come. And so this morning, we want to give you praise. We want to give you thanksgiving. In Jesus' holy name, amen. In just a moment, We'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. Just stay with me, please. Thanks for uh, being here this morning. Can't tell you how glad I am to see you in the summer, you know? In Phoenix, 10,000 degrees outside. All right. Uh, here's, if you would like prayer this morning, we have prayer partners in the corner over there, and they would love to pray with you, and then also the prayer table. Uh, take advantage of that. We love praying with you during the week and for you. So uh, there's no such thing as a dumb prayer request, right? They're all important to us because they're yours. And uh, God cares about every single part of your life. Uh, my, my prayer for us this morning is that we would experience the joy of Christ in our lives. That, that we would experience not a manufactured happiness that kind of comes and goes. You know, if you get something that makes you happy, it's like a drug, you know, you, it, the happiness wears off and then you gotta do something else to make you happy and then when that wears off, you gotta go do something else to make you happy and when that wears off, and we keep trying to go for bigger and better and more happy and the joy that Christ calls us to is a deep joy. It's a joy that's not built on circumstances but it's built on who Christ is in our lives. And my prayer is that you'll experience that joy this week, the joy Christ has for you because he loves you. And I love you. God bless, have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.